you know, I'll, I'll pick which one, you know, I want to do. But typically it's the Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It works out well. I'm usually very happy by the time uh, it's over. And, you know, uh, dedicating one full day to one of the contests and one of the hotels, you're not running around. I used to run around like crazy. I still run now, around. Yeah, now it's a little bit more relaxed. I know I'm going to uh, Planet Hollywood on Friday. I know I'm going to the Bellagio. Uh, well, this year I think it's uh, – It's uh, um, the new MGM Park. Yes, MGM so Park. New MGM Hotel, yeah. Typically, it would be the Bellagio on Saturday and Thursday, wherever the FFW sequels home. Uh, you know, it's changed a few times, but, um, you know, I enjoy it that way. And I get to see all the people I know that, that stick to one contest. So uh, it, it works for me. JD, we ready to rock? You guys ready to go? Let's do it. Whatever you guys are. Let's book it. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion Fought the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy This my advice, from me to you Open up your cute little podcast queue Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude Pop it in your ear, man, y'all know what to do It's the And I always be traded And I always be traded And I always be traded Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them Fish What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the district. You see me wearing my shades. Theo, it's summer, baby. Today, my daughter graduated from kindergarten. I'm sure your, your kids are almost done school. I know we got our family trip to Portugal in about a week or so, a few days. Not that we're counting the minutes or anything. But this is the time where the winners are really working, right? The bees, the bees, Theo, are really working hard this time of year. And tonight, we have a king bee. On tonight's a high stakes heavy hitter. I know you love this guy. I'll let you walk in him proper. But give the people a taste of what we're going to talk about tonight with our with our special guests as we roll through tonight's monster episode of the district. So tonight we're going to talk about some some topics that maybe we haven't covered as as much. Uh, you know, the last few weeks we're going to talk about some of the most improved offenses in the league. Um, we're going to talk about draft process, of course, with our guest. We're going to talk a lot about the ADP risers. Um, a lot of people that are kind of, kind of uh, flying up uh, ADPs. We're also going to talk about some ADP teammate situations. Um, so I'm really excited that we have uh, Glenn Lowy back in, in the GOAT district. Um, Glenn is my league mate um, in the NFFC uh, Super, uh, the New York Super. Um, it's uh, one of the harder, um, I would say, one of the harder NFFC leagues there are. Um, and Glenn's had a great deal of success in that league, much like he has in, in every other league. He's one of the better NFFC players around. He's also been very successful in FFPC, in FFWC. Um, he also plays Dynasty. 
Uh, I would say, and I live on Long Island, I would say Glenn is the best fantasy football player on the island right now. Um, so we're very uh, honored to have him in, in the GOAT district. This is his second time on the show. Um, welcome back, Glenn. We're happy to have you on, man. Hey, Theo. How are you, man? AJD. How's it going, man? Welcome to the district, brother. We love having you on. We're happy to have you tonight, especially, you know, when everything's nice and quiet. Not really, but, you know, we, we know that the, the King Bees like yourself are working hard, so we're ready to pick your brain tonight. We're excited, man. There's some of us that have, uh, uh, you know, got past the winter and uh, the, the, the off, off time and, uh, you know, are starting to do the, the hard work to get ready for the main drafts coming up in a couple months, that's for sure. Yeah, and some of us are, like, you know, in, like, 20 slow drafts right now and, <laughs> and just, just grinding out. And so you're just taking so, it easy right now, right there. I'm, I'm going to make sure I don't time out. You know, I'm always, <laughs> always keeping, a, keeping an eye on the clock even during the show, but uh, – yeah, no, we're, we're excited to have Glenn on. Um, so, Glenn, when does your when does your process start? Like, when are, when are you diving into it? Um, you know, what's your basically your general process for draft preparation? Um, are you using like best balls to get yourself ready? Um, and how are you, how active are you in like the May and June months of the summer? Well, uh, you know, I actually start. Um, you know, when I first started in high stakes uh, a little over a decade ago. Uh, my second year, I joined a draft um, that at the time was very unique. Uh, it's still very unique, but its starting time was very unique in that it started the minute the Super Bowl ended. And, you know, now you have drafts that start, you know, during the playoffs, you know, but back then a decade ago, you know, that was very uncommon. And uh, the draft's called Transnetters. Uh, it's got some of the, the uh, most acclaimed um, players in the industry in the high stakes uh, arena that are part of it and have been part of it for years. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a draft that I truly enjoyed from the first time because there's no ADP. And, and I think the reason the, the founders called it trendsetters is uh, you really were the start of the ADP. You were, you were uh, drafting before free agency. You were drafting before uh, the rookie drafts. At the time, you know, no, nobody thought to even try something like that. Uh, and you were making judgments off the season they've just completed. And, uh, you know, to this day, I still play it. And I use that as my first uh, prep for the following year because you have to look back and analyze and make some guesses and some adjustments, obviously, um, based on what you foresee happening. But uh, at the same time, the, the, the season's very fresh and you have to process what happened and, and utilize that to forecast what will happen while it's, you know, just completing. And, um, you know, it's a good time for me to, to get my, my head around it. Do you take any time off? Um, you know, I mean, you do the trendsetters and then do you take a step back and kind of just dive into paying attention to the NFL draft or do you just kind of keep going? I do. You know, trendsetters, uh, you know, one of the other unique things about it is it's a phase draft. It, it does a, a five to seven rounds every three weeks. So basically, you know, you, you draft a little bit, then you take some time off. So it lasts a little bit and, and, it, and it keeps that uh, itch, you know, scratched um you know during the slow season but you know i'm a big dynasty player and uh i i love dynasty you know it, it's one of the funnest formats just pure fun uh for me to 
to put together and build a team from scratch or even taking over a team and, and building it and trying to rebuild it. But I, I love that format. And, um, you know, that's, that's when dynasty starts. Dynasty starts during that slow season when you start analyzing the rookies and you start analyzing team needs and, and values from the previous year. And, and, you know, trading is all year round in dynasty. So uh, you, I never really have an off season, but I would say, you know, maybe those cold winter months, February, March, April are slower. And then May comes, you have the rookie draft, and it's, you know, dynasty, dynasty rookie dra- uh, drafts are flying in May. And then by this time, you know, I'm, I'm into the redrafts. J.D., that sounds like us with our, uh, our hard way uh, best ball, you know, that we try to get in, you know, right around Super Bowl time, try to be the first one done. Um, and then we're just all, all dynastyed out. You got to love it, right? It's the toughest one because you're, you're playing like a bunch of sharps. There's no ADP. You're setting, you're basically looking at, you know, last year's stats and, and that's basically what you're looking at. But it's fun, man. It's the funnest one. I always go back to that $77 one and, and look at it and, you know, think, do I still have a chance? Do I still have a chance? How did I do? Uh, so it's nice to look back at those, but those are the funnest ones, man. Those early ones, like you said, Glenn, you, you get to kind of set the uh, the ADPs. You see, at, you know, Theo, you saw with Etienne, right? You were trying to set set an ADP there. So you, we see it throughout the offseason, but I think at the beginning is always the funnest. So while, while Glenn's doing a bit of hibernating, we like to do those, those uh, January, February uh, drafts. I'm a little older than you guys. I need a little more rest. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you guys are both like just taking it from a from an even bigger step back when you kind of um I always think it's like a like a big relationship we have between best ball dynasty and redraft for the people that do all three where it really makes you kind of learn the rookies um from a pure talent perspective and profile um when you're drafting before they even have a landing spot whether that's a dynasty startup or or like Glenn does with a best ball or we did with the best ball um, you know, you, you, you're looking at a, at a, at a player, you can kind of try to guess the teams that need them, but you really can't bet on some, you know, guy that you don't really like the profile of and, and you're, and you're willing to use draft capital on them. So I really think it does make you, um, a little bit better than maybe some of these people that will, you know, have the NFL draft and then they'll just jump into their dynasty league and, and start drafting after that. Um, what do you guys think of that? Trying to, trying to project rookies based on talent before situation. I think that without, without question. And I, I think uh, that definitely plays a factor, not only in your rookie dress, but when redraft starts, you know, I think back when we spoke last year, uh, I think it was right after Elijah Mitchell broke and, you know, was going for $900 uh, in, in fab, uh, maybe just a week prior. And, and we hit on that a little bit at the time. But, you know, I, and I didn't win him anywhere because it's just not my style to go all in on, on, on a fair play that early in the season. I know it works for some, some uh, very successful players, but it's not really my style. I like to save some fair. But I had him on several teams. And the reason I had him was because he was a 20th round pick or a 19th round pick when, when the, uh, the, available, uh, the available pool of players was starting to get a little shallow. I remembered, you know, what I thought of Elijah Mitchell before even the NFL draft. And I liked his talent and, you know, uh, combined with the San Francisco landing spot, even though Trey Sermon was there uh, and and the more hyped prospect, you know, I I thought anything could happen because prior to the draft, 
uh, prior to Sermon going, I think, in the third and Mitchell going, what, sixth uh, in the NFL draft, you know, I had them ranked pretty similarly. And um, so I still did when redraft came around and I was able to snag several uh, shares of him in my early drafts. And uh, it paid off a little bit uh, during that crazy fab week of his. Um, stay, stay with that. We, we, you went into this in, in depth, but I think that it's, um, we're not really talking fab tonight, but I'd love for you to kind of go back and kind of share your process for fab. It's not really, you, you seem to kind of sit back and you're sometimes, you know, from playing and competing in leagues with you, oftentimes you're getting maybe the third or fourth, uh, highest fab bid guy and you're doubling down on them and trying to collect those sort of assets. Has that been your general winning strategy with fab or, or is it kind of differs league to league? Um, you know, it depends, you know, but for the most part, I would say yes. Um, you know, I'm just not, I'm not comfortable, uh, going all in on a, on a player week one, week two, week three. And I get the thought process behind it. I get why some very successful players do it. You know, it's going to have the most, if you're right, it's going to have the most impact, you know, uh, you're going to have it for the full 17 games or 16 games or whatever. And it's going to work out for you um, for the entire season. It's going to help you get into the playoffs. It's going to help you in the playoffs. And, and, and that's awesome. Uh, the problem I have with it is, you know, football is a dangerous game and there's tons of injuries and, uh, the season's a long one. It's, it might be the shortest of all the major sports, the fewest games, but it's also the most violent. And um, the injuries won't stop week one, week two. And I like to have the resources to make moves late in the game, especially um, in these overall contests where so many teams, when they're in fifth place or sixth place or seventh place, weeks eight, week nine, uh, you're seeing guys give up and you're going against two or three teams at the end of the year. And sometimes these players, you know, appear that can be league winners or contest winners. And I want to have the resources then for those teams that are going to make the playoffs to grab those players and get that added boost um, when I need it. Plus, honestly, I think one player, well, could be a difference maker. How often does that come around that there's one player that you're spending $900 on and that player ends up being that difference maker. You know, I find that, you know, if I take 10 shots, I have a better chance, 10 shots at less, maybe getting that second or third guy. I have a better chance of getting that real difference maker, that season changer, uh, than maybe just going all in on the first guy that, that makes waves. You know, I think of the guys that, were true difference makers, probably the biggest difference makers for me in my high stakes career, guys like OBJ. Nobody was spending a lot of money for him. You know, he kind of like, kind of like eased his way in at first before exploding, but people were getting him, you know, they heard he was coming back. He was injured. He was coming back. They were spending a dollar maybe the week before he came back, $2, $3. And then boom, there was a difference maker. You know, if you if you short dollars, you know, for the teams where he wasn't picked up, maybe after that first week he went for a hundred. Well, it would have been nice to have that hundred and not spending it all on week one. So it's just my thought process. And Joey Brown in the chat pointed out that Glenn had a lot of success with Cordero Patterson last year. 
Absolutely, he did. But and two seasons ago, you had success with Miles Gaskin, where you were able to add him after that week one, where maybe people overlooked him. So, um, JD Dan Williamson has had this kind of philosophy. For me, I can kind of go both ways. Occasionally, I like you know spending big and getting a guy like a Mitchell. Sometimes I like sitting back and kind of having a, an approach like Glenn. What, what what's kind of your general approach, uh, JD, with with Fab? I think it's always nice when you're lucky and you get them early. I think I got, I can't remember if it was Patterson or, or Mitchell that I got for a dollar last year, the week before, you know, everyone really wanted them. Um, so you, if, you, if you're ahead of the game and you're thinking weeks ahead, a couple weeks ahead, uh, kind of paying attention to the, the fine print, you know, you can get lucky on, on some of those guys if you're ahead of the game. I think that if you're playing multiple leagues, it's nice to spread it around. Don't blow your load on, you know, Mitchell on all your rosters. You know what I mean? And then you're also basing it on needs. So I know, Glenn, maybe you rather wait uh, or some guys go in with a philosophy. But I'm sure if you lose like Dalvin Cook week one, you know, and that that hot whoever it is running back that popped off in San Fran or whatever goes off um, or Ingram in Arizona or something like that, you know, you'll adjust based on on your team needs. So that'll always play a factor. And I think like you, Theo, I don't really have a set way of doing it. I've done it both ways where I've had success spending it all later in the year, you know, kept it. And had luck with it, but I've also been in scenarios where you get to the end of the year and you've got, you know, maybe too much money left, and and you don't can't have take to, it with you, can't right? Take it with you, take it with you. So the, so I've seen it go both ways, and I've seen it, you know, do well both ways. So it's I think it's uh, based on your own uh, approach to the game, maybe. I'd like to add one thing to to what JD said there, if if I may. Um, he brings up a very good point. You know, grabbing that guy a week early uh, for a dollar. You know. Um, Obviously, that works out best if you can do it. But, you know, it's it's also being prepared to do it. You know, the best guy I think I've seen at just, you know, uh, figuring out who that guy is or having that guy when the, the player in front of him gets injured or, you know, there's a change in depth chart for whatever the case may be, is somebody we all know. You know, we, we've all heard his name or, or, or seen his his uh, accolades and uh, Chad Schroeder. I mean, he always seems to have that guy a week early. When we're all bidding $200 on him, $500 on him, he's got him for a dollar, $2, and he picked him up the week before. Um, I don't know exactly how he does it. If he just, um, if he just has that instinct that, uh, you know, makes him a great player or he, uh, you know, he just packs the lower half of his, of his roster at any particular week. He's not afraid, let's say the day before, uh, you know, the, the Saturday fab to, to cut his sixth wide receiver and just throw another handcuff in there. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, I'm in enough leagues with him. Uh, you know, uh, across high stakes, where I've just seen it over and over again. And uh, if you can pull that off, <laughs> of course, that's the best way to do. Unfortunately, not all of us have that that kind of instinct or luck or that, whatever you want to call that, it. That could be why Glenn, he's the third most watched uh, guest on our on our uh, on our channel. So, guys, go check that out. Ten months ago, we had Chad on, <laughs> and, and he drops his goatness on that one. So, go check it out, guys. And chat will be on um, the Go District for the third time uh, later this summer. Um, so we're going to have them back on. Um, you know, we, make, and sure we had... make sure that's while I'm drafting in a league. So he's not. <laughs> oh, no doubt. He'll be drafting three handed <laughs> if it's August. Um, Theo, maybe let's... also 
Sorry, I'm going to maybe just get to Matthew's question because he's, oh, yeah. he's doing a couple questions. This one's irrelevant. So he's asking, does Fab Strategy change in a shorter regular season tournament style league uh, like FPC, 12 weeks, or generally the same as typical one, 14-ish week league? Well, a little bit for sure. You have less um, less weeks that you have to save Fab for. Um, but one thing about the uh, FPC and the FFPC that – that uh, you should be aware of if, if you aren't is that even though uh, the regular season is shorter, the fab actually continues those extra two weeks. It's just limited to the, you know, the uh, week 13 and week 14 would be the playoff weeks, the league playoffs. And only those four teams that are in the league playoffs can bid on those players. So you still would love, especially since you're playing for money at that point, you the, the, the players that you're going uh, for these players against that can still bid on them or your competitors, your direct competitors that week for moving on and moving up and making more money, you definitely want to have the resources in FAB to either get that that special player that turns up week 13 or 14 or at times prevent your competition from getting it. I remember one year, and this goes back a little while, I had the most fab left in, in the playoffs week, and a quarterback got injured for uh, a team I was playing, and I just picked up three quarterbacks. You know, he couldn't do anything about it. I had more fab than him and, uh, you know, put him in a, in a, a worse position. Um, and, and I won that week, whether that's the reason or not, but it gave me um, an edge, and that's what having fab – uh, available to you does. Yeah, it really gives you the uh, like a bully, the bully seat um, when you're, you know, especially competing. You know, you talk about, you know, a lot of people grind fab, but it's always a quitting point. You see everybody kind of grinds fab the first week and then it's like attrition. And by week six, a couple people are not even really partaking in it. Then you get to week nine and it's, it's maybe six guys going at it, seven guys. Um, but when you get down to those last few weeks, um, you know, you can really bully people just by having an extra 50 bucks. So, um, you know, we could, we could spend, we could spend a whole show just talking fab Absolutely. Um, and, and, and I'll end fab with don't end your bids in a nine. That's the best advice I can give our, our goat district uh, listeners. Just don't be, don't, don't lose on a, on a nine bid. It's just bad process. Um, we'll have to talk to fantasy mojo on the actual mathematical theory behind that JD. Cause he's got all the, all the data, but oh, sure. I was fine. You yeah. always lose your not your bids that end in a nine. And Glenn, like right now, are you diving in? You, you play multiple contests. You play multiple formats. Do you try to dive into one contest and maybe do a bunch of those and then kind of move on? Or do you like to spread out and compete in, in multiple formats at the same time? Like, for instance, if you're doing a bunch of football guys drafts, would you want to do like four in a row before you did a, an NFFC um, online championship or the new FFWC 350 would you want to do those all at once? Um, you know, at this point of the of the preseason of the of the, of the off season, um, I'd probably rather spread it around. You know, uh, it, best case scenario, play you know uh, a football guys today, and you know a few days from now play a um, you know an N NFFC online championships and so on and so forth. Um, towards the end of the season. You know, uh, the draft season as we approach uh, opening day, you know, I, I do a little bit more trying to keep everything 
one day or a couple of days in a row, just to keep my mind sharp on, on, you know, ADP on the, the rules of the contest, the nuances of any specific contest without having to shift back and forth. You can't always do that, but you know, we talked uh, uh, briefly uh, about when I go to Vegas, I, I, I try to split the main contest, the, ba- the main uh, Vegas contest, give each a full day rather than running back and forth. Besides the fact that I don't have to jump in a cab or an Uber and run from hotel to hotel, which is uh, a reward in itself. But, um, you know, it also is a benefit in that, you know, I'm focused on that specific contest's rules and, and, and you know, can get, keep my mind sharp and, and focused on that, which, you know, is very important. I mean, we all know that the NFFC quarterbacks have a little more value obviously tight ends with the FFPC uh, wide receivers because of the d- dual flex in, in the FFWC seem to get pushed up. Uh, but there's, there's other nuances as well. Each contest has besides the obvious and, you know, you, you get a feel for, uh, you know, draft flow uh, for a specific contest. Um, you, you know, what players go when uh, uh, roster construction and so forth that you just want to keep sharp. But at this point of the job, uh, at this point of the uh, the off season, you know, I just want to grab as many as I can. But I one thing will will uh, affect that. Like right now, I'm doing a whole bunch of football guys, and the reason I'm focused on them is because uh, I want a bunch of free ones. <laughs> so I get my free ones out of the way, yeah. and then I start. Uh, you know, they're, get- they're easier to spend, right, Glenn? Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a great um, way of looking at it with the focus. Where sometimes you know, and I'm I, I make the mistake myself sometimes is that you'll be in too many underdog drafts while you're doing another draft. Like I have too many slow drafts going on at one time, and um, I think it it basically for me, I think it 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 ends up like the end process makes me better, but the during process is is very difficult if you take on too much at once. Um, I think an ideal strategy would be kind of like splitting off week to week, but you know, there's only so many weeks of summer to, t- to try to fire that one magic bullet um, in those, in those three fifties for sure. Um, but JD, do you think like the under underdog contests, like for you, I know like you're doing a lot of best ball right now. Um, do you think you'd have better process, like trying to just do underdogs for, or not necessarily not underdog for you because you're in Canada, but like, you know, do your FFPCs for a few days and then kind of pivot over or do you like when you're doing multiple things kind of at once? So I, do, I have crossover periods, but I have over the years kind of segment segmented my my drafts. And I just discovered tra- drafters, thanks to our buddy uh, Davis Maddock, because they're actually uh, legal to draft in, in Ontario and in Canada, which is awesome. So I've been drafting them while I'm doing my FFPCs. But I've really uh, knocked down the amount of number of drafts I'm doing at once. Uh, especially the slow drafts, because I find like you'll have a plan, you'll strategize a plan, you come back six hours later, eight, eight hours later, do your picks, and you know your mind is in a different place, or you're looking at it differently. Um, so I find it's easier to keep my my strategies and and focus on those platforms. I was looking Theo, even like our revelations draft that we did, you know, the, uh, the four of us, Dan and 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 yourself, and um, I believe uh, Andrew was in there. Andrew too. was in there. Yep. Bitcoin, a bunch of us. This was prime, like, best ball season. 
And I didn't realize till like the 13th round or something that this was like I was drafting as if I was in best ball mode. I ended up with Jalen Hurts and Matthew Stafford. You know what I mean? And this is like a one QB redraft. That would be a total best ball move. So I, I do agree with Glenn. Like I do find that I'm as I as I get older, uh, more experienced, I am segmenting more so that my mind can be more in that uh, in that, you know, that state or whatever it is for, for each individual uh, platform. And definitely know that you're in a in a in a closed league versus a best ball versus a big national contest. I think people sometimes make that mistake. It's like, you know, especially because tw- Twitter sometimes amplifies certain players where you might see Billy Muzio post a, a draft board and he's doing, you know, multiple entries in, in one contest. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a Yahoo league with your friends, you might take a different approach in a closed 12 team league as well. Um, Glenn, as, as a high volume player, do you start tracking your overall ownership percentages and do you kind of combine, and this is a, a kind of a more difficult one. Do you try to look at your ownership percentages like, across the formats or are you kind of looking at it like how am i looking in ffpc how am i looking in nffc how am i looking in ffwc and then do you go even further and look like you know ffpc best ball versus dynasty or how do you how do you it was the time that i broke it down every which way and uh, you know i knew how many i had in this format versus that format how many i had overall not as much anymore. You know, um, if I have a, a couple players that I seem to find myself drafting across the board, just out of curiosity, you know, I'll, I'll tally them up and, and, and see, uh, you know, how much, what percentage I have. You know, there was a player last year that I seemed to love more than anybody at the time. Uh, and, uh, that was Swift and, um, uh, you know, he was falling and I was grabbing him everywhere I could. And, you know, when you had great conviction on I'll interrupt, you had great conviction on DeAndre Swift. And, you know, 100 percent respect you for that. So keep going with that. Well, you know, it was funny because I loved him. You know, I, I, I talked about the process that starts, you know, from immediately after the season. I loved him then. you know, to me, uh, at the end of the prior season, he was a first, second round turn uh, level player. I just saw something in him that that I thought, um, you know, could be very ad- advantageous to uh, my rosters. And then, you know, there was some bad noise about him and he kept falling and falling. And falling. The, the, I, the, the murder rumor kind of- uh, got, That, that got, was going, yeah. that was in Vegas. You know, I yeah. remember Mike Edelman, you know, Mike Edelman. And, you yep. know, he, he would always, you know, joke with me about, you know, he he always seems to know who I'm after any particular year, but he knew I was after Swift. And, uh, you know, I was in a draft, in the middle of a draft, and I had already drafted him and whatever. And he came up to me with, hey, did you hear that, uh, you know, Swift is up on murder charge? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? He, yeah, I didn't crazy. know whether he was kidding or, or telling me that he's Jamal Williams jumped, jumps two rounds on, on, on some nonsense. So. But you know what? I kept drafting Swift. You know, now he dropped from the third round, which I thought was a value, to the fourth round. So, you know, I was getting him cheaper. I go all in on a guy. If I truly believe in him, I go all in on him. So I grabbed Swift wherever I I could. And it turns out I had him um, on far greater than 50% of my rosters. 
And I was curious because, you know, I knew I had a lot of them and I was just curious how much of him I had. Uh, there were a couple other players like that, not nearly as uh, uh, advantageous to my rosters, but uh, that, that I just seemed to believe in uh, during the draft season and get a lot of. And I would tally them up. But, you know, it's not that important to me anymore. You know, I like I know some people believe you don't go over 25 percent. You know, you want you want variance, you know. Uh, but, you know, I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. I don't mind rolling the dice. And, um, you know, if, if a player I really like and really uh, invested in goes off, I want him to go off on every team I have. You know, yeah. if I believe in him, I want him everywhere. And if I don't, I don't want him anywhere unless I get him at a great value. And that's just the way I build my teams and I'm comfortable with. I, I don't like passing on a guy that I believe in. And I just typically won't. Is there a level that you start sweating or, or you're just like, you know what, I'm all – because I asked Theo before you actually came on, and I'm like, these guys that score – because it's multiples in the same year, you know, where you guys do really well or, 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 you know, knock two out. And I'm like, is that two completely different rosters? Are those rosters similar? Are they drafting similar players? And it sounds like the conviction is a big part of that. You know, it's funny. You would think, um, you know, not this past year, but the year before, regular season – I had a very, very good regular season in the NFFC. I, I, I think I did four prime times, and three of the four made made the playoffs. But one of them was first place uh, overall going into the um, going into the you know tournament, the uh, the big money tournament, and uh, the other one was third. And you would think there would be a, a, a very big correlation between players, but I don't think there was anybody common. Now, I think that's a one-off, you know, I think for the most part, uh, you know, if you have a, a multiple teams across the board, like when I did really well in, uh, I think, 2014 it was, I think it was 2014, um, you know, I had an OBJ everywhere. You know, he was the big player I had everywhere. And that goes for not just me. 20, 2015, I, I, yeah, I had a run at the football guys with him coming off the bench. I was his rookie season, right? Yeah. So, uh, it, and, it, you know, I had that play every, and he elevated many, many of my rosters. But, you know, it goes the other way, too. You know, I remember, I think it was 2019 or 2018, one of those years. It was an ugly year. I'm probably trying to forget it. But it was the Le'Veon Bell year, the year that, um, you know, he went, uh, he held out. And, um, every, you know, a lot of people were staying away from him, you know, and I saw him drop into the, late second in the third round, even in some places. And I was grabbing them everywhere. And I just said, this is a top three player that I'm getting as my second or third player on my roster. Uh, it's, 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 it's a dart I'm willing to, to throw. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a chance I'm willing to take. It worked out very poorly <laughs> and it was a bad year, but you know, I I didn't see any way he wasn't going to sign. I just didn't see it happening. And if I could tread water, even if he met, missed a few weeks, if I could tread water until he came back, I just thought the edge was enormous. The word that it didn't work out, obviously. And uh, But, you know, that's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take that chance. If I believe in something, I just can't get myself to pass. And that – you know, I took Levy on that year in pl the Platinum, the NFFC Platinum, the High Society on FFPC. It didn't matter the stakes. 
it, it, I believed in him and I went for it. And again, like I said, didn't work out, but I, I'll be that way again if, if I believe in a player this year. Shout out to Mike Lamalley in the chat. And Glenn, you're allowed to answer this because it's not yet July. <laughs> is there and is there a guy this year you're higher on like like you were on Swift last year, or is there anybody that's reaching those levels for you? Well, in you early know, drafts? For for the redraft, you know, I pretty much started really digging in in June. So, you know, it's still really early in the process. And um, you know, I'm still feeling my way through uh, the draft flow and where players are falling and where I can get them and how I feel about them as far as value. Uh, there's a couple players that I find very interesting where they're going. And honestly, I'm not alone because I see them going up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, – but they, there's still values potentially where they are. Uh, there's a player that's very much like Swift that yeah. I like for a lot of the same reasons. You probably know who I'm talking about. He's a, he's a uh, former ACC player who plays in the state of Florida. We don't need to say his name, but we can read between the lines. Yes, and, and I'm not alone. in feeling, And there's some red flags, but there were red flags for Swift. But I'm a ceiling player. You know, that's one of the reasons I love Swift. I saw the potential. Same thing, I reason I made that mistake on Levian. I saw the potential. I see the potential with this player that, you know, you could be, you know, a, 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 a process that I do sometimes, and I'm sure I'm not alone, is I try to imagine where that player is going to go in next year's draft. You know? We talked about this. That's a, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we literally had this conversation last week with Keith Cummings. If you try to project next year's first round, like, you know, DeAndre Swift could be the 101 and Travis right. Etienne could be 105 right. if things fall right. So 100%. It's a, great, it's a great process, Glenn. It's process. an amazing – because you know why it's a great process? Because it's – it really puts ceiling, the, a player's ceiling in perspective. And not only that, the, the – um, the true possibility in your own belief that they'll hit that ceiling. So you, you get to really flesh out how you feel about a player. And, you know, I'm not too far off on where you had those two guys. So. Yeah, 100%. And I believe JD, in those two guys. JD had a, you had Justin Jefferson, JD. We could dive into that a little more. Like JD, um, JD Heath and myself, we all gave answers and, Heath and JD both came up with, I mean, you could talk about it, JD. Yeah. Just with Jefferson kind of being that, that, the, you know, the, our wide receiver one collectively, the guy that we thought could possibly be this time next year, the, the wide receiver one, the Cooper cup, you know, of, of this year, you see the change in the offense, the, the philosophy of that offense, it's going to benefit him. Uh, you would imagine just, uh, you know, the, an evolution that you'll see that, that, that favors fantasy. Uh, that we're hoping to see out there in Minnesota. And you know that a big chunk of that's going to go through Jefferson. And I just love, uh, you, you look at what he's shown and, and what the opportunity ahead. I mean, for me, it's an easy, uh, you know, uh, bet. Not You know, if you're going to put your money, put your chips. He's also on my 1-1 one, one, uh, as yeah. far as receivers. Beauty. Yeah, and and I, I said, because they said Jefferson, I, I made the argument for Chase because the Chase is the same thing. And, J.D. and Glenn, I mean, if Jefferson has a cup-like season, 
he's next year he'd be 25, 24, 25 with, with that season already behind him. Um, so I think like, I think Glenn, Glenn talking about this, um, you know, kind of trying to look into next year's first round, it also helps you identify the players maybe you don't want any of because you naturally find the fades um, because, you know, most guys are, it's not like some, it's not like some huge gradual process where a guy goes from running back one to running back five to running back 12 to running back, you know, 20. It's usually a guy falls off a cliff um, and then next year you're drafting him, you know, way later. So I think the, like that process, um, you know, and again, we could talk about this all night, but I think that like, it was great to hear you say that because I think that's a great way to kind of attack, you know, looking at this year's draft is if everything goes right um, or if everything, you know, goes as I expect it to, where is this guy being drafted next year? And if you get enough of those guys that really rise ADP, more likely than not, you had a very successful uh, fantasy season. I mean, there's some amazing players we play against that, you know, I, I play in some, you know, really expensive, big money drafts and, you know, some of these players I play against are just unbelievable in their way to identify, in their ability to identify that um, that next running back, you know, that, you know, Najee Harris last year, Dalvin Cook the year he broke, CMC the year he broke. They seem to be on, on them year after year after year. And I see them pushing them up in ADP. Every single, you know, Mike Santos, uh, I'm sure you know yeah. who he is. He's just unbelievable. He's dead on these guys every single year. Uh, uh, Nelson, you know, uh, Souza, another guy that, you know, he, he just seems to be on these guys. And, uh, you know, no matter where they go, and it's always, you know, you can't help uh, when you play these guys as often as I do to notice some of these things they do. Now, I'm not somebody that will – change my process or my thoughts based on some, and maybe I should, but based on even the, the most successful competitor, you know, he's going to do what he does and I'm going to do what I do. And I'm going to back who I believe in just like they will, but I can't help but notice, you know, those players that they do back. And then as the season progresses, how they were dead on uh, as often as they are. But I, I have to believe that's part of, their process as well. They have to be looking at what's this play capable of. And if he is, where is he going to go next year? And, you know, they're, you know, those great players, they're great players for a reason. They're just on it more often than not. Also, yeah, that and Jay- right, Theo, that we talk about just with the, with dynasty and these other formats, whether it's best ball redraft, mm-hmm. it's that brain, that brain process, that, that approach. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, and I think that's one thing that also um, drafting early, you get some people who are like, are you crazy? You're drafting early, but you know, you, you see the guys rising. It's almost like a stock and you kind of follow the, you know, you can see kind of where the smart money is going. um, Especially if you play in these formats where, where you're exposed to some of the more successful players. And, and I think that you don't have to, like Glenn said, you don't have to change your convictions. um, But I think that, when you're when you're drafting, especially in high volume, you want to have an open mind that maybe you know your your takes from April were not necessarily um, on a certain player can completely change. Having take lock in fantasy football is one of the worst worst ways Absolutely. to approach it 
Um, and I think you see a lot of people really screw themselves up where, you know, they, they target the same guy every single draft and, and um, it's to their detriment when situations change for NFL teams and situations should also potentially change for, for the way you're looking at, at the league uh, as a whole. Um, so that was, that was an awesome process on um, just talking to Glenn about the kind of the way he's uh, approaching this real quick question. Um, and JD, maybe you could share this as well. Is there any particular stat that maybe you pay more attention to um, than, than the, the, than a, you know, the average player, is there any stat that you, you really weigh um, that weighs heavily on you or are you looking at stats from last year kind of as a whole? You know, you have to look at stats somewhat, right? Yeah. That's the game we play. You know, everything's based on stats, you know, that's how we score our points. Um, But you have to take last year's stats in context. It's last year, you know, uh, those who chase what's already happened, you know, they're going to fail more often than not. You got to use last year's and then what's changed to, you know, forecast what's going to happen. And, you know, that's how we, we make our money. But, um, you know, targets is probably the biggest thing, you know, um, I mean, there's nothing more valuable in the game we play for any position outside of quarterback and maybe defense you know, than targets, you know, it, yeah. running back, wide receiver, tight end. If you command targets, you're more valuable than the guy who does it significantly. Okay. Um, and, and the reason targets are more important than let's say catches is, you know, you're not necessarily delivering the ball. You don't know the quality of the target, but if you are commanding the attention of the person throwing the ball, and the offensive offensive scheme and so on and so forth. There's something about you that typically tra- translates. Okay. Um, again, you have to take it in context. Last year's targets to you know changes in personnel, changes in offensive scheme, uh, and so on and so forth. But for the most part, that's something that year to year will stay pretty consistent. You know, it may grow for some players. It may you know, after they've reached their peak, start to, to come down. But whether wide receiver or running back, um, you know, the guys who command targets early in their career usually command targets throughout their career. So, And, and targets is a skill, J.D., right? We, like we've talked about this before, like people kind of brush off, you know, targets based on situation. And I think that's a that's like that. That to me is a, is a huge is a huge mistake. It's like earned. NFL, yeah, it tar- targets are earned. They're earned. And I think, like, you can look at players, certain maybe the market's fading this year based on situation, but, like, a guy like, you know, I'll just throw out there, Deontay Johnson right now. Deontay Johnson's a target machine, um, and I think certain people are maybe fading him a little bit too hard um, because of the change in quarterback, you know, the change in personnel, Maybe, you know, they're not going to look at the low A dot wide receiver. I just think it's like it's the same coaching staff and a guy who's who's been a consistent, you know, target hog. Um, and I think it could be it could be a mistake. Um, Glenn, you, do you see people making this kind of mistake kind of year in, year out with some of these high target guys? Definitively. Uh, you know, you got to look at why a, a player is a high targeted player. Deontay Johnson is targeted because he's always open. You know, he, he's, he's a great route runner. He's always open. And 
you know, a quarterback with a bigger window, you know, no matter who the quarterback is, he's going to feel more comfortable throwing to that to that uh, more open target than someone that um, is covered, um, like Claypool, who doesn't get the separation. Now, I like Claypool. You know, I'm a big believer in size and speed. You know, I love that. But Deontay Johnson is way more valuable because he's always open and he's always getting targeted. So, you know, don't get caught up in certain metrics over the production metrics. You know, those those if a guy can play and the guy can command the, the word I really like that I've heard in recent years is command targets. You yes. know, a player commands targets. And and that goes along with what you said earlier. It's not luck, it's not chosen, it's not we're gonna give it to this guy. He's just the way he plays leads to the quarterback funneling passes to him. He's commanding that. He's always open. He's open in the right places. He's always in the right place. Whatever that may be, the quarterback feels comfortable throwing it to him. The offensive coordinator feels comfortable scheming for him. And that will translate and, again, carry over typically year to year to year. Um, No, for sure. Um, I wanted to pivot over. um, J.D. and I were talking about this before you came on in the pre-show. Um, it's, it's really an exciting season right now. Um, you know, exciting preseason because it looks like there's going to be a lot of really improved offenses. We're, we're optimistic about a number of these teams, maybe taking a step forward. Um, it makes it more exciting when we're, we're building our teams in redraft. Um, we'll start out with, um, you know, kind of the, the obvious team. Two years ago, we saw Tom Brady sign with Tampa and lead the Bucks to the Super Bowl. Um, last year we saw Matthew Stafford do the same with the Rams. Um, it wouldn't it be amazing to see three years in a row and Russell Wilson goes to Denver and leads the Broncos to a Super Bowl win. Um, what are kind of your expectations for Denver this year, Glenn? Do you think that this is going to be a team that's going to take major steps forward? And if so, what is the kind of the best strategy for, for, for getting pieces of that offense right now? I would be really surprised if Denver didn't make major strides this year. Um, I mean, for the past few years, you look at their team. They've got weapons galore, you know, weapons everywhere. They're bleeding them everywhere from, you know, every receiver spot, tight end, running backs, you know. And there's one thing that's always – and it's obvious what's holding them back. It's the quarterback position. Since Peyton Manning, you know, they've been searching for a quarterback and – you know, John Elway hasn't been able to find one as good a quarterback as he was. Um, it, it was a great move by them. You know, I think I think Elway's trying to relive, you know, what happened with Manning and, and bringing in uh, an experienced, quality quarterback and leader to lead a team that's already significantly talented at every skill position. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's – Anyway, the upgrade at the most important position in football be, from the Geno Smith and the Drew Locke types to Russell Wilson, who's already won a Super Bowl and been in two, I don't see how that doesn't translate to uh, a much more prolific season. And I think all the players on that team will benefit. I have my personal favorites. Um, another guy who's moving up the board. <laughs> but... Um, you know, there's reasons for it, and Wilson's the biggest. 
without giving away too much. So you would be looking at potentially his his receiving weapons as as guys you would want to have pieces of more than the running backs. Yes, the running backs. I think they'll improve only because. Listen, it's it's about goal line opportunities, right? Keeping the chains moving, uh, more opportunity. When you have a quarterback who can make a third down once in a while, it keeps those drives moving, right? It, you have better chances of a of of a big scoring week, and that's great for running backs. Uh, but the receivers, I mean, they've got some talent there, and they just have not put up really good seasons in quite a while, and. I, I think it all leads back to the inaccuracy of their quarterbacks and their inability to keep drives going, make big plays, you know, hit the open guy. Uh, you know, they're, they're just not great quarterbacks. And Russell Wilson, you know, he's not perfect, you know, and, and some may feel that, you know, he's starting to, you know, maybe be on the other side of the, of the, of the peak, but he's still damn good. And, his skill set, I think, translates very well for some of these players. And uh, I, I look forward to seeing uh, if, if I'm right on that. Yeah, so I think it's interesting. Um, like, basically, a, a, a Sutton Judy, we've had some guests on on one side with Sutton. We've had once uh, some guests were a little more bullish on Judy. Um, but I think it's it's sort of a situation where, where you want to take shots on. And if there's one you really prefer... Um, you know, they're both kind of at a, at a range where they're, they're gettable. Um, and I think the fact that there is a little bit of indecision um, in terms of, of fantasy players, Sutton's ahead of Judy ADP wise, but it's not by that much. One round. I think the fact that they're, the fact that they're so close is kind of keeps them both um, affordable. Um, JD, maybe you want to talk about Albert, Albert Okunbunum because, you know, you've been a big fan of his. Do you think that this, um, you know, the, the Dulcich um, chatter is making him into more of a value at this point. Um, maybe you want to go into that a little. Yeah, I, I, I love the I love the value. I mean, it makes sense for them to add the tight end that, you know, we saw Fant, we see Fant leave Denver. Uh, I love Alberto in the 10th round and a tight end premium. I'm looking at football guys right now, especially if you can get Sutton or Judy or both uh, early. Uh, even Wilson, Wilson going at the end of that tier, I find uh, kind of like uh, actually he's going 10th round. I'm thinking super flex right now because I'm doing some of those FFPC best balls. But just the value that these guys add. And like you said, the uncertainty of where these targets are going to go with a new quarterback in this offense. I always gravitate to tight ends whenever a new quarterback comes in or like a rookie quarterback comes in. I know um, Wilson is not a rookie, but we don't know where he's going to gravitate. I know last year, Alberto just looked like a beast. To me on the field with the limited action that he had and even with Fant on the field. So I think that that this year uh, leading that, you know, leading uh, the tight end position in that offense, I think there's a huge opportunity again where he's going. He's if you get him as your tight end one and then you pair him up with, you know, my boy, um, what's buddy in uh, in Green Bay, Tanyan. Uh, that's as, your boy. As your tight end too. I mean, that's a that's a perfect duo for me. Uh, if you're not going to spend early at the position, but I, I like what Denver offers going into the season. The uncertainty to me is perfect. I do think it's interesting because I think that the, the beat writers really kind of move this, this narrative and you've seen Alberto kind of drop a little bit. It's not like you're seeing people draft Dulcich, but the, the fear of Dulcich is kind of in, in their minds. Uh, Dwayne McFarland, who's been on the, the pod many times, he's a friend of ours. Um, and one of the sharpest guys out there, um, 
he has, has talked about Albert O's advanced stats. Uh, last year, he was sixth in, in, in yards per, per route run. Um, it was a limited sample size. Again, he was, you know, there with Noah Fant. But he was sixth in yards per route run among tight ends. Um, and then he was tied for, uh, for first in targets per route run. So when he's running a, running a route, um, you know, he was involved. So, again, it's a, it's a change in coaching staff. But I think that, you know, we, last year we saw Fryermuth and, and Pitts make a massive impact as rookies, you know, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Fryermuth was like tight end 13. Pitts was, was Pitts. Um, but it doesn't happen as regularly. Um, and I think that, like, Dulcich could be a guy that they, that they keep involved. But Albert O could end up reaching a level where he's, where he's a, big, uh, a big ADP value. So I, that's one, uh, one way, I think, to play it. And I think the running game, um, it's interesting. Because early in the draft season, Javante Williams was like a meteor. Like, you know, we thought Melvin Gordon was going to be on another team. And, and those early best balls. He was I mean, Glenn, I bet, in, I bet in your trendsetters, Javante Williams was like, was like 106. Uh, I know I we were in the really draft. high. There's yeah, no he was question. really high. End of the first Dwayne, one. Dwayne had him as like running back three, thinking Melvin Gordon was gone. Melvin Gordon comes back. And now it puts Javante Williams in kind of an interesting situation. And just one thing that resonated with me was um, – you know, Dave Hubbard we had on last week, who, who like Glenn, is a super successful high-stakes player, and he made the point of, of kind of unique builds. If you're in NFFC, this doesn't really apply to you because of the third-round reversal, but the there's so many Jonathan Taylor teams where you go Jonathan Taylor 1, you go wide receiver, wide receiver at 24-25. I've done that with a Jonathan Taylor build. It's, it's very enticing to do. You have your hero RB build. Maybe you get two great wide receivers, but I do think that there's a chance that Javante Williams separates from Melgo mid-year and like uh, a Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams combination team ends up, you know, challenging for some overall, because I do think that he's got it in his skill set. Um, and Melgo, like, we believe in him, but he's, he's a little older. Maybe he breaks down. He's like 29 this year. Um, and I think we all like Javante's talent. So, I agree. It's it's easier to go into the receiving weapons, but I don't want to like not have any Javante Williams in. Uh, he's, he's, creeping in the, he's creeping in the third, Theo. I just took him. Yeah. Funny you say JT and, and Javante. I took CMC at the three spot in this drafters. Uh, it's a twenty dollar for a million dollars or something like that. And then in the third round, Javante Williams still sitting there. I took Higgins, T Higgins in the second round, um, and then Javante, you know, coming back. I mean, it's it's nice value, especially when we saw him, you know, mid to late first earlier this offseason. Theo, let me do a real quick, quick plug before we keep uh, getting yeah. this goodness because, you know, we got our boy Matty Big Chest doing some serious graphic work for us. So we got to flex it. Guys, myffpc.com, we talk about it every show with every guest because that's where you're going to make the money. That's where you're going to win the big box. You can win up to a million dollars this year in the main event with the football guys. You've got the, the super, flex, um, super flex best ball tournament going right now. $35 buy-in. You've got the Dynasty Leagues going. You've got the TriFlex Rotoviz uh, ter- uh, startups going. And you've got the Football Guys early bird promo with a free $35 credit when you buy three teams is ending June 30th. So ending uh, any day now. I'm trying to think today's 28th, I believe. So in the next couple of days, if you're listening, make sure you go sign up. Sign up for three of the Football Guys entries. Play for half a million dollars and you will get a free $35 credit. And if you're not already on the site, you see it on there, email uh, goatdistrict.gmail or tag at 
Goat District or Theo and I, and we'll hook you up with an exclusive sign-up bonus. JD, it's a beautiful graphic, but it's it's messed up that you flash a Buffalo Bill and Josh Allen to Glenn, the the the, the Jets <laughs> fan who lives on Long Island. And that's a great segue to our next question. Um, we both we both live on, on Long Island, New York area. Jets fans are starving for for a winner. Um, we have kind of I think there's so a lot of optimism with this team this year. Um, they've added a lot of pieces. Um, what are kind of your your expectations for the Jets? Um, in you know, are, are we hopeful for this year? Are we optimistic? And what would be the ways you'd want to play this Jets offense? You can take it to redraft. You can take it to best ball. But the pieces are intriguing, aren't they? Well, remember you heard it here first. Super Bowl champions. It's Jets, 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 Jets. Nah. Um, listen, anything can happen in the NFL. Uh, uh, you know, teams come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, they're one of the best teams in the league. I'm not saying that's going to happen to the Jets, but you have to be impressed by their offseason. In fact, the way they've been building this team over the past couple of years has, has been you know, a pleasure to watch as a Jet fan who's seen uh, many uh, much worse builds <laughs> over the years. But I really like um, what they're doing now. They're, they're providing weapons for their young quarterback, uh, building both lines up, which is, uh, you know, uh, a proven way to build your team's li lines out, make sure there's protection for the quarterback, make sure you can get to the other team's quarterback. Uh, they're, they're, they've really done a great job in, in revamping this team quickly. Now, we haven't had any results yet. You know, last year was still an off year. Um, this season, still a couple months to go. But, you know, it, it's not hard to picture, you know, everybody taking a step up, this team coming together, the excitement of free agency and the draft um, translating during the season. And, you know, maybe, you know, it, it comes down to the quarterback more than anybody. But if Zach Wilson turns out to be the player we all thought he was uh, preseason last year, um, you know, the, we could be – onto something special and, and it would be really exciting uh, as a Jet fan to finally, after a decade of horrific play, to finally have something to uh, look forward to late in the season. Uh, as far as fantasy, I think a lot of that uh, still has to play out. You know, uh, I think the one obvious player that, uh, you know, people are going to be drafting early this year is the running back. He's extremely talented. Um, they're going to be running the ball to protect Wilson and and set up the pass. Uh, he also has pass catching, uh, you know, uh, skill set. Uh, there's a lot going for him, and and he's still relatively inexpensive. If you think about where the top running back was going last year, uh, Najee Harris, uh, you know, by the time the big money drafts and the main events were happening in uh, New York and Vegas in September. He was a first rounder. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he was sitting in the second round by now, you know, even early summer and he was a first rounder uh, by the time the big drafts, you're still getting Brees Hall in the fourth, you know, yeah. and, you know, for the top rookie running back, a guy that is built to be fed um, on a team that's definitely going to be establishing the run, 
Uh, I think I think that's still a pretty good value. I mean, I haven't been able to snag him yet because I'm still feeling my way of where he's going to be and you know where you know I'm drafting him in a specific draft. But I I like him, and um, you know it's not just my Jet fan. <laughs> you know I'm a, I am a little biased, but you know whether he was on another team or not, I think he's the type of player that can uh, you know provide you fantasy goodness his rookie season for sure yeah i took him at i took him at the three four turn in a football guys this week um and uh i think he's interesting because we like i think that there is apprehension with michael carter's usage i think there's some really smart people that don't want a lot of Brees hall because you know potential that it's going to be you know not as much volume as maybe we need for him to really smash at that adp but like you know, him at running back 18-ish is, like you said, it's super intriguing. He's got pass-catching ability. So even if another back's mixed in, um, if he's able to get, you know, targeted plus get the goal line, um, you know, plus get the, let's say, you know, the majority of the carries, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think this coaching staff wants like a true – like he's not going to get Najee Harris touches from last no. year. I think even in the best situation, that's not going to happen. But, but who is? I think, who is? No, you're right. You're right. And do we really want him to? Like Najee Harris was maybe had too many touches last year. Like we like it, but we like the targets more than the two yard dives for our running backs. Except um, at the two yard line. Except that, yeah. Except <laughs> for the one for for sure. We love those. We love those. Um, but it's interesting. I think like, and you you mentioned the the receivers. It's another situation where we don't have it down in the the teammate situations, but. Like, Garrett Wilson's a, a big-time player who's a first-round draft pick. And, like, he makes he makes Elijah Moore more affordable than if the Jets would have ignored receiver in the first round. Absolutely. If, if the Jets would have ignored wide receiver in the first round, you would have seen Elijah Moore going, you know, in the fourth round right now, maybe touching, like, he wouldn't quite be the Michael Pittman tier, but he would be pretty high up. Um, he definitely would be a fourth-rounder, I think. So, like, I think you're – those both those guys are, are worth taking shots on. JD is is there any how is your Jets exposure right now? Is it a you know you are you drafting Brees? Are you drafting the, the wide receivers? What what are you what are you doing with your Jets? So Brees Brees, I find I'm I've he he is he is falling like in that third fourth round like you said. So he, he does fall in at a nice value. You can easily be your RB one if you go you know three receivers early. Uh, uh, our buddy Wheeler threw up. Um, 11 12th round uh michael carter all day for him and i yeah. I, I like what we saw from carter last year i i did a um, thing for player profiler draft kit or whatever for for carter and i, I had to redo it after they, they drafted hall but i mean we carter gave you everything you wanted from a rookie running back in a new york jets def, uh, offense in 2021 so uh, Brees call, Hall coming over there. Obviously, he's you know like we said the, the number one uh, running back picked in the in the in the draft. But I think Carter's Carter can offer you really nice value where he's going depending on your build and the receivers. Uh, Theo, you and I, how many times are we sitting there and Elijah Mitchell's just falling out of value? Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore. Sorry, yeah. um, because of like you said, Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, coming into to that offense. But Garrett Wilson's going like four or five rounds later as well, so you can easily yeah. stack the two. And then grab Wilson later if you want to go light QB. He's your QB one, or maybe he's your QB two that you have well, you know, nicely stacked. That's the extent of it. Uh, I know you and I have have 
tinkered with the with the tight ends. In, so in can... best ball, in best ball, I do think that it's interesting their tight end situation because I think that they're so so cheap. Um, and I, I I'm intrigued by Conklin in best ball. I was going to say you, you like Conklin, but who's the most like ahead of him? And I think I think you the most use him. I think, but Conklin, like you know, and let's we'll put context into it. You know, this is a guy you can get in the twentieth round of FFPC best ball leagues. But I think, like you know, I think he's got a a receiving profile, um, and I think that he could have a few very usable weeks. Twenty twenty sixth could... round, Theo, in those 28 26 in <laughs> the twenty eighth. So, like, if you want to grab him in. I mean, I haven't been taking him an underdog, but in FFPC um, best balls, I do have some Conklin shares. I think that um, he's kind of getting, um, you know, pushed to the side, but I liked what I saw with Conklin last year when, without Herb Smith. He had some nice games for Minnesota. He can catch the football, and I think they want to use the tight end. So um, it'll be super, super uh, interesting. Um, one offense where people are, are – there's less question marks than the Jets, obviously. Um, and one offense that I think that the fantasy community is super bullish on right now – is the Minnesota Vikings. Um, is this offense set to make strides, huge strides, or are they set to disappoint? And I'll put context to this. Right now they have two first-round draft picks. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are going in the first round. Adam Thielen's going to go in, let's call it the sixth round in NFFC. Let's call it the seventh round, right in that, that wheelhouse in the high-stakes leagues. Irv Smith has people back on him. So the Vikings are not, they're not cheap. And I think people are, are drafting them with confidence right now. I know that this week I took a, a Dalvin Cook share at the 111. We've talked about, which I think is a great value at the end of the first round. Um, and even if the offense doesn't take strides, I think if you're giving me Dalvin Cook end of the first, I'm, I'm taking that right now. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on, on the Vikings? Um, I think there's a lot of chatter on them, you know, becoming more of a passing offense. Are you, how are you feeling on them, Glenn? Them, Glenn? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh... That seems to be the noise, you know, with O'Connell and, um, you know, the, the, the shift from a run-focused offense to more of a pass-centric offense. And, again, we talked earlier about targets, you know, fantasy, you want the passing offense, you know, whether um, – no matter the position you, you're, you're backing there. Um, I think, honestly, I, I agreed with you, Justin Jefferson – Wide receiver one. I, I think he's the uh, he's got the most potential of any any wide receiver. I love Chase too, by the way. But uh, I, you know, my money uh, place right now. Justin Jefferson's my number one, and Dalvin Cook. You know, uh, I love him too. And you know, I saw an interesting stat recently. You know, Dalvin Cook has never really had a tremendous amount of receptions any specific year at, or targets. That was um, my tweet, Glenn. That was my was tweet. It your tweet. Yeah, that was oh, my tweet. Yeah. It's it's and surprising because he's he it's looks surprising. great doing it. Yeah, because you you can't you handle the truth. If you watch the games, you know you you're constantly seeing him come out of the backfield. You know, catching a ball, getting some yardage, and it just seems as part of his skill set. You know that that that's very apparent. You know, uh, so now you've got a a head coach, you know, with more of a pass centric history, uh, who targets the running back. Uh, I think it can only mean good things for Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, um, you know, across the board, I tend to agree. The Vikings are on the upswing. Uh, 
we've all been fooled before, but uh, you know, I, I'm looking at it that way for sure. And JD, you love you love narrow target trees. Um, it's still pretty easy to kind of figure out where where the volume's going, Jefferson, and if he's healthy, feeling. Um, how are you feeling about the Vikings right now? No, for sure. And you're, you're looking at an offense that was top 12 last year, guys, in points scored and pass attempts. You know, it's not like these guys were at the bottom. So if you're telling me that this offense is going to improve, throw the ball more, score more points, I mean, how much better can it get, right, for these guys? So for sure you want to invest in them. Irv Smith comes in and, and you know, you, you talked about Ty Conklin going to New York. So you would imagine he takes over the main tight end, offensive tight end uh, production on the offense. But – you know, we we talked Dalvin, we talked Jefferson. Cousins is a nice value, whether you're talking Superflex or or um, 1QB. Obviously, if you believe in this offense, where he's going. So, yeah, I like these, you know, narrow target tree, uh, like Dan likes to, to talk about, uh, offenses where you can kind of pick the main guys, you know, the main artery where the offense is going to run through and then benefit from that. Um, and then maybe you stack them with some, you know, week 17s, Theo, as you like to do. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, they're super interesting. And I think, like, they they did this, um, excuse me, like, kind of despite Zimmer. Like, they had offensive success. Exactly. You'd watch them, and Zimmer would act like a dinosaur in certain situations. And, you know, I feel like they left a lot of, a lot of like, meat on the bone. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, even though it's a new coach, which sometimes we worry about, you know, a new system, you know, players jumping into it. Um we saw what the Rams system did for Todd Gurley as a pass catcher. Um, so it could, it could be super interesting for Cook. Um, Glenn, are there any offenses that you see taking a major step forward this year kind of as a unit? You know, it's funny. I see more offenses that have taken a step back. You know? Okay. Some, some of the more prolific <laughs> offenses. Negative Nelly, Glenn. What a, was that? You're give us, give neg- us one. Negative Nelly, man. Come on. Well, it's not really a negative Nelly, but you have to look at it. You know, uh, uh, I'm going to say the Chiefs. I mean, losing Tyreek Hill, I think that he is a big reason why that – I mean, that offense has been, you know, taking small steps steps back over the last couple of years. Uh, I think it takes a, a bigger step back this year. It'll, it'll be easier to guard uh, Kelsey. Um, you know, somebody's going to have to step up there, uh, whether it be one of the rookies or, uh, or Juju, but, uh, you know – Tyreek Hill's big, big shoes to fill. Um, an offense, I think, that could make a step up. And, uh, again, because of Tyreek, you know, I don't hear a lot about them. But I look at teams that have added weapons. And, uh, you know, I don't think Miami necessarily – and, uh, you know, I'm not a Miami fan because of the Jets. But uh, I look at their team, and they don't really get a lot of hype. And uh, I think that goes because of Tua. You know, so much is – Based on the quarterback, I mean, you see the, the, uh, the, 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 the videos of Tua, you know, throwing that wobbler up uh, all over Twitter, you know, a couple months ago. And people don't really believe in his arm. Uh, but if you look at his weapons, he's got a ton of weapons. I mean, Waddle was just incredible last year. He was at times unstoppable. And now you've got Tyreek, you know, who's a similar type player, just a, a pure weapon. Uh, they've added Edmonds. They've added, you know, they've got a lot of those dynamic type players that, you know, can be run after the catch type players too. So 
the uh, the what Tua lacks in arm strength, he does. You know, his reputation was always as a accurate passer. So if he can get those weapons, the ball while running and in space, you know what they can do with it. You know, can be something pretty special. So I think Miami has the chance to make a move up. You know, I can name some of the more obvious teams. I just wanted to go to some a team that you know maybe doesn't get talked about as much. Another team that that I think can maybe make a step up uh, that, you know, maybe people aren't thinking about as much as like New Orleans. Yeah, um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, because, I mean, last year, um, you know, Taysom Hill was the quarterback, right? Very limited quarterback. Uh, you know, he had some special fantasy football skills, right? But uh, as, as, as uh, you know, uh, uh, a great passing quarterback he was not. But he also had very limited weapons. You know, uh, uh, Thomas was hurt. Um, I mean, the number one wide receiver was Callaway, right? Uh, even the tight end who got some hype early on, Troutman, you know, he, he didn't play out well. Nothing worked out for them except maybe Camara, right? And even he took a step back. Well, you look at it this year that Thomas may be coming back. You know, I, I think it's pretty sure he comes back. What version of him comes back still remains to be seen. I still think that there's a possibility that he surprises, um, you know, uh, and, and, and gives people, I mean, a lot of people are down on him now, but if he comes back at 80% of what he was, you know, that's pretty special. Still a, a pretty special player. We got to see if that happens. But you've also added Landry. I know he's on the downside of his career, but the guy can get open. The guy, uh, uh, you know, can be that outlet. And you've got the rookie, you know, yeah. who, who, again, creates a different dimension, that speed dimension. Um, and, and, you know, that's a lot of weapons being added. But most importantly, you got Winston coming back. Now, Winston, you know, he's got his faults. He's got his warts for sure. He's, you know, throws a lot of interceptions. It was just what two years ago he had five thousand yards, right? Yep. Um, you know, and he's he's got an incredible skill set. It's just you know he's up here is a little off, but you know he, yeah. he's got the arm, he's got the talent, um, and now he's got weapons. I think that team could possibly make make a step up, especially if Kamara doesn't get suspended too long. I love that take, and I think there's not a lot of people who've been talking that up, but um, you know, adding Landry makes makes Winston's job so much easier because he can still just get open those lay, low eight out routes. And you kind of would love to really root for Landry and the Honey Badger coming back home to Louisiana. It's a really cool story. Um, you know, LSU guys coming back to the Saints. It's just, a, it's just a nice vibe. And I really like Alave. I think he's super intriguing. And like you said, he adds a speed element. I'm like apprehensive on, on, on Michael Thomas. I, I just don't trust the situation, but – yeah, if he comes back, they're they're loaded at wide receiver. Um, JD, you got to talk about your Colts though. When we're on most improved offenses, how how happy are you to get Matt Ryan as your quarterback this year? Yeah, I mean, it's an it's a nice upgrade. You know, um, if you look at with in twenty twenty one with Wentz, they were bottom six in pass attempts per game, top eight. Funny enough, top eight in points scored. You got to attest a lot of that to the running game and the offensive line and and just that that offense as a whole. Uh, bottom 10th in, in completion percentage. Matt Ryan last year in Atlanta in a not so good 11th in pass attempt, 11 passing yards. Deep completion percentage is very similar, surprisingly enough. One was QB3, one was QB6 between the two, but 
you, you gotta you gotta think that Pittman is gonna benefit from this for sure. That offense as a whole uh, just will probably have more composure. That's probably the word I think of the most as a Colts fan and and a, actually as a Matty Ice fan is just the composure that he brings, the experience he's br- he brings, and that hunger. I mean, this guy. Let's face it, guys. He was you know up twenty eight nothing in a Super Bowl and and it, it just slipped out of his hands. You don't think this guy's coming in hungry? Uh, so, I mean, I love everything about the move. I love what he brings to the offense. I think he's going to elevate the, these players and guys like Campbell, uh, going, I don't even know what 20th round, uh, in, in these drafts these days, uh, you can get parts of this offense for super cheap. The tight ends are super cheap, uh, especially in the tight end premiums. They're great tight end threes. Uh, when you think about Moali Cox and some of the new, new blood they brought in. So I, I, I like what, uh, what Ryan brings. And as I talked about, these guys were top. 10 already uh in you know in as an offense so you gotta like what what's happening in indy anyways we you know theo you got me all excited before we came on you talked about the rams bringing in stafford you talked about brady going into tampa you know you there's nothing better than having an experienced uh quarterback coming into kind of you know the driver sitting in the 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 ferrari car in the the f1 car that maybe wasn't at its full pace. And now you, you want to see this machine move at, at its full potential. And I think we're going to see. Yeah, that. I think it's awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm not advocating Matt Ryan as a, as a fantasy, you know, starter. Um, I think he's interesting in super flex, but he's very accurate. I think he can elevate certain guys. And I think there's also like, you know, we talked about, there's all this chatter about like, you know, Naheem Hines. I think Pittman is, is warranted where he's being drafted. Um, I think Mo Cox is interesting, you know, like you talked about, like the Pierce Campbell. But I think there's also a chance that, like, you get the 101 and you just see Jonathan Taylor take off as a receiver even more. Because I think that Matt Ryan's willing to check down. And I think you could see Taylor just have, you know, kind of unknown upside as a receiver. Even like, he's shown the talent to do it. But what if he just gets a bunch of, bunch of more targets with Ryan? So they're super interesting. Glenn, Glenn how are you on time? Do you, can, we, can we go take you for 15 more minutes? Sure. Okay. Uh, just wanna... let me let my my dog out for a second. Yeah, go I'll ahead. Be, go I'll ahead. Be right back. No problem. No problem. And, and JD, we did talk about in the pre-show that, like, maybe that's the narrative. Is we talked about the the Russell Wilson narrative, um, you know, leading the Broncos to the Super Bowl, you know. But what if it the flip the the script just gets flipped, and this is Matt Ryan just being a game manager for a team that has a very very good defense, an elite offensive line and a unstoppable, potentially unstoppable running game um, with weapons. And they have so many beasts on that team. Like you look at like teams like that are small, that have like two, five, 10 wide receivers who really get open. I think like that's the future of the league. But like the Colts go out and get Alec Pierce. He's huge. They have Michael Pittman. He's, he's huge. Mo Alley-Cox is, was, a, was a very good college basketball player. He's a, he's a beast. They go and get Jelani Woods. Um, and then they have, you know, pretty much if he's healthy, an elite athlete like Paris Campbell. So like, they're just kind of different. Like they look different. They're like, if you, if they were a basketball team, you'd call them an airport team where you see them walk in the airport, you know, what sport these guys are playing. Um, and I think that's kind of by design with, uh, what this front office has done. See, you described that worst case scenario, Theo. And all I can think of is Peyton Manning in Denver winning a Super Bowl. You know, he could barely move. His neck was kind of like mine. You know, the, the the neurosurgeon told me that I have the neck of an 80-year-old. And I'm sure Manning's is kind of the same right now for better reasons. But 
you you see in the worst case scenario, he just fits this offense. And if that means game managing and composure and Matty Ice, uh, you know, managing the flow of the game and JT just running the crap out of the ball, if that means wins, that's fine. But I think that the, the nice thing is that the option is there. You know that if you need him to take over a game, I would imagine that he still has it and he's going to be able to do it with these weapons uh, in Indy. Yeah, and I don't think game manager needs to be like a, like a negative. Like, I don't think you're exactly. going to have to dumb down the offense. Um, I just think, like, you're not going to see him, you know, scrambling outside of the pocket and, um, you know, freelancing like you might see some of the elite quarterbacks doing. But I think he's still very accurate. And, like, there's been – I think it was – I think it was Connor Allen. Um, I, I could ret- – I retweeted it earlier today. Um, it was just like all these quotes from the Colts offensive skill position players that were saying how, you know, effective Ryan's been, his grasp of the offense. Um, they've described him as like another coach on the field. And it's multiple players saying this. They're just like, he's a commanding presence. He's been to a Super Bowl. Um, he's won a lot. Um, and I think that it's like, a, you know, he, last year there was a, it was really an ugly scene in, in Atlanta. Um, it was kind of a weird situation for him to be there on a team that was really rebuilding. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see if he can have like a bounce back season um, as, you know, in, in, in new digs. And maybe your Colts have, you know, a, a starting quarterback, the, uh, the same starting quarterback two years in a row. That would be a, uh, a huge accomplishment as well. Um, and then we talked about the, the – I'm sorry, go ahead, J.D., you were going to add? No, I was just going to say, uh, let's bring Glenn back in. Before we, okay, I bring cool. him in, I want to do a quick plug. Our friends over at Underdog, guys, you can play for $2 million right now on Underdog Fantasy, on your mobile phone, on your laptop. Use the code DISTRICT, best ball, all kinds. You can play even uh, any other sports on there, golf, basketball. I know is over, but, you know, hockey, also over. But you can also play on there. Guys, just all kinds of fun. Right now, Underdog Fantasy, play for $2 million fantasy football. Let's bring our guest back tonight. We got so much goodness. He's been more than generous. And we actually have a question, uh, Glenn, from the from the uh, the chat. We, we might even have a bet going on here. They're, they're wondering what your dog's name. We've already got a bet on Shark. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cooper. Cooper, there you go. There you Cooper go. Cup. Cooper Cup, there you go. Yeah. I, call um, him, I call him Cooper Pup sometimes. So. Cooper Pup, there you go. Nice. Um, that's that's like a high, high, high level dad joke. I got. I gotta say, Glenn, that's that's top notch. That would like make my my my. Now it's like my five year old and my three year old think I'm hilarious. My soon to be seven year old, she's get she's getting over some of the jokes. So it's um. I it's I always tell I always tell my wife. My wife was done laughing at my jokes a while ago. So it's nice that my daughter now laughs at those same jokes. You know, she doesn't know them yet. So I'm I'm good for a bit. But well, my um, kids are now fourteen and twelve, so they're starting to transition into my jokes being hilarious to my jokes being embarrassing. So <laughs> there you go. You gotta have a you got to have the mix. So I want to rip through a couple of these ADP risers. Um, you know, we don't, we can, we can basically go as quick or as long as you guys want on this one. We've seen uh, a meteoric rise with Saquon Barkley. Um, people are, are all in now. Um, you know, you've seen, you've seen Barkley kind of rise up. I've seen him go at the one, two turn twice in the last week. Um, he's locked in as a mid to high second round pick. Um, what are your guys' general thoughts on on Saquon um, back to the you know the the back to the old almost the old Saquon days? Um, and I think he's headed there. I think he's headed to you'll see him being taken at like a 108 uh, in that level soon enough. But right now, let's call him an early second round Saquon. 
Um, what are you guys' thoughts on him at that ADP? Well, you know, again, ceiling, you don't get much higher. So uh, it's, it's definitely a risky pick. I mean, he hasn't been great since his rookie season. Uh, he's been a disappointment uh, for most of his career since. But uh, it's mostly been due to injury, right? And, and now he's got the new coach, the coach that's going to focus on him, make him the focus of the offense. And most importantly, there's a lot of noise about him being, again, a focus in the passing game. We talk about the targets all the time. That's what made him special in the first place. You know, uh, everybody, you know, talks about his, his running ability. You know, he's, he's definitely a three down back. I mean, uh, uh, you know, one that you'll utilize at the goal line, middle of the field and passing game. He can be special. I mean, who's his backup, Rita? Who are they going to? He's going to get every opportunity to, to be the Saquon of old. Uh, and it'll be up to him whether he can make it. Um, I don't think I don't think that's too rich, honestly. JD. Yeah, I mean, I, I even looked at a revelations deal. I thought he he was going farther. Uh, he 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 was going in the middle of the second round. So I I feel like he's he's kind of settling in. Um, I mean, you could you know looking at that ceiling, you could you could easily put him. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I want him past past Swift yet uh, because of the upside that Swift possesses i mean it's one of these things like he's an older running back but because we haven't seen him on the field and he's been dealing with injuries and we've seen the upside you kind of like you kind of like negate some of those years that you know that he has behind him um and and he's he could be on even playing field with some of these younger guys with upside he's going ahead of you know the javante williams obviously uh with with melba there but Fournette going right after barkley who do you guys prefer let's do otc right now glenn do you prefer Fournette or barkley 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 easy, Barkley easy for me, and I like Fournette. But like Glenn talked about, like we've seen Barkley. That season was it was disgusting. He's an RB one overall, and he had ninety one receptions. So he's already showed that he can he can catch ninety balls. If he gets seventy five, then he's absolutely crushing um, at that ADP. And I think it's like the Giants have a much better offensive line than we've seen them have. Um, and oh wow. That's uh, 1912. The best is the follow-up. Okay. 1912 uh, pointing out that someone just took Barkley at the 103. It's crazy. That's that's a little too rich for me. I think there's there's you know safer safer plays to be had at the 103. I'm not advocating for that, but I think that his ADP is 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 definitely viable. Where that he, he's this this Giants coaching staff is going to move him around. Um, they've talked about using him as a weapon. And I know that's like cliche. You hear these coaches say this guy's a weapon and you hear it every off season, but like, I don't know. We talk about being optimistic drafters and having optimism with our builds. Like you don't want to not have any Saquon Barkley. And um, I'll be interested to see where he's going um, when like the NFFC prime times and the FFPC main events, um, like the, the higher stakes drafts uh, happen because it's funny. Like JD, you bring up like revelations, like, like you, you hear podcasts talking about Saquon used to be going in the fourth round. He was never really going in the fourth round in like super sharp drafts. It was like the underdog kind of pushing him down. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like two different trains of thought. Um, you know, these, these, these best ball drafts kind of influence any ADP, but like he did move from the third to the second. And, um, 
yeah, like Alex P. Keaton said, it's it's inflation. You got to pay extra for us. Saquon's Saquon's almost as expensive as a as a as a full tank of gas on Long Island right now. So um, he's definitely moving up. And I'm going to leave one player out of this conversation because of the the early summer Omerta. We're not going to talk about this guy because we we're going to leave him. You know, we don't want to hear Glenn's thoughts on him. Um, but we'll move on. Michael Pittman is locked in as wide receiver ten to fourteen. What are your expectations for Pittman? returning value at we've talked about this like he's a guy that's moved up um billy muzio likes to brag that he has like a sixth or seventh round shares of Pittman, you know from early you know you know the early early best balls and that, like we're like good for you that's awesome and the guy keeps moving up and keeps moving up and now he's going in a range where he's being drafted as a wide receiver one essentially um do you think it reaches like a point where he becomes overpriced or are you are you very optimistic on him right now because i think everybody likes him nobody's like off of Pittman, but it's like do you have um kind of apprehension at the meteoric rise you know i love guys like that because you know and and i don't mean as the player i'm talking about as the dynamic um yeah you know i i remember last year okay he was there was a lot of negative noise about him. Is he really, you know, is he good enough? Is he a good enough athlete? Blah, blah, blah. And I loved him where he was going last year. Loved him, loved him. I grabbed a lot of him. And obviously it worked out. He had a good year. A very good year. Okay. With a shaky quarterback. But he had a good year. But to me, you know, I didn't think he was a bust like you would hear in dynasty circles. Is he good enough to even, you know, return return value um at, at in the 10th round but uh you know third round listen if you're being drafted as a receiver in the third round you have got to be in my mind a lock solid wide receiver one type you know uh potential for a hundred something catches you know 10 touchdowns you know uh thousand whatever yards right you know hands down to me, Pittman is just shy of that. And again, it's for the same reasons that people were down on him last year. He's he's a very, to me, a very solid player. But his traits are not, in my mind, elite. He doesn't have besides size. He's got he's got really good size. But he's not overly fast. He's not an a, an incredible route runner. He's he's not a great after the catch player. Uh, he does. He's not dynamic in the end zone. He's a good player, and he he returned good value last year. I think now he's being drafted as a ceiling, and I don't really like to draft if I can avoid it players at their ceiling. So mm-hmm. I I see myself maybe avoiding him in the third round personally. I gotta agree and, with you. You, you got to look at that team also. That team's going to be about JT. You yeah. Know? If Pittman's going to be the third down guy. You know that kind of thing. But they're never going to. It's not going to be Michael Pittman's team. I think, to me, like, I like Pittman a lot. And I think that part of the reason that he's going in that range is the wide receivers right behind them might have, like, a little bit more question marks, like Waddle with Tyreek, like Deontay Johnson with a, with a new quarterback, um, whereas I think Pittman's been kind of schemed up. And I kind of agree with you guys. I think it, it might have reached a point where – he's like a purgatory player where you take him and he's not really returning a whole lot of value where he's, where he's um, being drafted. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be helpful. And in certain builds, having a high floor guy there might, might be the move. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a very interesting ADP to monitor. And and I think the one thing that was interesting is um, Dave Hubbard was talking about last week is, you know, it's like it's like three different uh, it's like three segments where we we had the best ball ADP, then you have like the early like um, you know online championship and football guys ADP, and now you're going to get like the new ADP from the main event. So he might be corrected a little bit when you start seeing the the higher stakes um, formats going off. I'll be interested to see where he goes, but. There are people that are that are really high on him, and, and he's a super interesting case study for a guy that hasn't been wide receiver ten, kind of being pushed up to that wide receiver ten ish range. Um, one more wide receiver who's one of the most talked about players all off season is Gabe Davis. We're starting to see him go as a back end wide receiver two. I believe he's wide receiver twenty four on FFPC, and he's right about there for NFFC. Um, do we think that he's a value in this range? Um, or do you think that he's maybe people are a little too hopeful um, for him? Just for example, like he's going in the range of give or take Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, Cortland Sutton. And this is not a, you know, an OTC versus those guys, but just as a general question, um, you know, what are your kind of your expectations for, the number two target in, in Buffalo or the perceived number two target. Do you think this is, this is a, a rocket ship we should jump on JD, or do you think this is like a player you might have a little apprehension about? Well, I think, is he going to be T Higgins or is he going to be, you know, like your typical wide receiver to Michael Gallup type of guy in, in an offense, right? That's, I guess it just depends on how you see it as to where you're going to take him. Because like you said, if you look at, he's going like Terry McLaurin, you would think is the one, in that offense, uh, A-Rob, Brendan Cooks, Mooney, Judy. So, you know, guys in low passing offenses are going around him, you know, supposedly number ones. So I guess it's it's how you feel that offense is, is going to run is are you going to take him there or not? I find Davis usually goes a bit before I'm willing to take him. Sometimes you see him there and you're like, oh, okay, you know, he finally fell where I think it's right. But I find it's rare. I find he's that, that guy that he's kind of like that hot, um, you know, 2022 off season piece where he, he's, he's usually going a bit ahead of where I like to take him. I don't know how Glenn feels about him. Um, listen, I like Davis, just like I like Pittman. It's funny. I have both those guys on uh, some of my dynasty teams, but the thing about Davis that I find is interesting. You take away that one game. Where's he going? <laughs> really? so, then he's, He's way, way, way low. Way like down. He's not, yeah, way that, that, and, that and game. game. Like if it wasn't that game, that that spotlight, you know what I mean? I mean, he's going, I mean, rounds down. Rounds yeah, and rounds and rounds down. It, that game was, you know, the big helium balloon for him. And and it was an amazing game. He, I mean, he, he, he put himself on the map. But, you know, I look at that team and, you know, I look at, uh, you know, Josh Allen, who's everybody's number one quarterback this year, right? And, you know, he's a, he's a great player. You know, he, he gets a lot through his, his own legs, right? And he funnels a lot to digs. And in the past, it seems like his main number two weapon was always like the, the around the, the, the line of scrimmage guy, like Beasley or even McKenzie in some games, right? You know, Davis, like Emmanuel Sanders before him and guys like that, you know, 
I don't see him targeting those type of plays, that that second outside receiver that often. You know, that game, obviously, you know, Davis, you know, blew up incredibly and, you know, it was incredible. And as the dynasty owner, I was extremely happy. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably not grabbing him too often in the fifth round. And I like him. Last year I was grabbing another guy who's grabbing a lot in the 10th round, 11th round. Uh, but for most of the last season, he was, you know, a disappointment, right? He really it's interesting did. also because the, the Bills coaching staff didn't play him at first. Right. He was in, like, the pecking order. He was behind, you know, he was, like, wide receiver four. And then he has the meteoric game. Like, he obviously, like, you can't be an untalented football – like, the game did happen. Like, we, it's right. a one-game sample size. But in a massive game, he did have one of the best playoff games of all time. Like, we can't discount that. But I think that it, it does – it was amplified um, – and you talk about like a year, a year, like looking a year ahead. If if he returns big time value where he's being drafted, then he's one of the best um, the best values in all of Dynasty right now. Because there's some huge disconnect between Dynasty startup Gabe Davis versus redraft Gabe Davis. I think it's just very interesting. He's a third year wide receiver being drafted as wide receiver twenty four. And he's nowhere near wide receiver 24 in, in Dynasty startups right now, J.D., is he? Does this not smell – I was looking up what, what we got from – you guys remember Chase Claypool going off for that huge game? You got like three yeah, sure. touchdowns. Right? Does, doesn't this kind of smell kind of similar? You know, you, I, I, I get the Josh Allen, um, but I feel like we're going to get to a point where Davis, kind of like we talked about with Pittman, is going to be being drafted at his ceiling because he's not going to surpass Diggs, right? And he, can only, and he can only get so close to Diggs. So, how you know, at what point is that going to be? And, and you know, how willing are we going to be at that point? Like I said, a lot of the drafts I'm doing right now, I seem to miss him because I feel like he's that hot commodity that people feel good. There's guys you feel good drafting, and he's one of those guys right now, I think, that people feel good drafting. And, and that's why I feel like he's being reached on a bit. And then you have the Buffalo stack is probably, I would imagine, one of the hottest stacks with, you know, Diggs, then Allen, and then if you can get D Davis. So that, you know, adds to his popularity being drafted and, and that ADP continuing to go up. So it'll be curious to see how high he goes, right? Um, but, you know, similar, I'm, I'm not buying into the hype. We talked about, you know, learning these rookies and stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing is the dynasty allows you to kind of fade some of these hypes, uh, these hype swings that we see in the offseason. And, and, Davis might be one of them off of, you know, that one game that we see as or drafters see as a potential ceiling for him. And is that really his ceiling? Yeah, it's, it's super interesting guy. Um, and I think it's also another one of these guys where when you're in a draft, there's going to be somebody who likes Gabe Davis more than you. There's these Gabe Davis truthers that are like that think he, there's some people think he might pass Stephon Diggs this year. It's not my take, but I think that he, there's there are people that, that think that could happen. So he's a super, super interesting guy to monitor as, as the summer goes along. Um, we could make this a, a yes or no. Um, and if you want to go into it. Glenn, go Glenn is like, please do. <laughs> yeah, we're almost done, Glenn. I got one quick one. I'm good. I'm um, good. No worries. We love you, Glenn. We've seen, we've seen back back-to-back -back seasons of a rookie running back finishing the top seven of the position. We had Najee last year. We had James Robinson the year before. Um, do we think a rookie running back finishes as an RB1 this year? Yes or no? We could push it to top top 15. We'll take it to top 15. Top 15, I'm going to say yes. Top seven might be a little rich. 
I'll go with yes on on top top fifteen. JD. Yeah, I can go with that. I was I was trying to pull up like which which actual running back I think would do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's running back, right? One injury, one injury. That's all. Yeah. It and one of these guys just pops. I mean, people are going to look at Brees Hall as that guy, but like you said, uh, Fournette gets hurt. Could be white, right? White, one hundred percent. And you know, there's, you know, and he's got the skill set to go to top seven if, if you know, something like that happens. So you know, football is a funny game. So and look at last year, guys, Elijah Mitchell, right? TDP could do that this year. You know, we we have no idea. We'll go. We'll go rapid fire on this one. These guys are pretty close um, in ADP. They play the same position on the same team. Um, pick a teammate at ADP. The first one will be Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Mike Williams. They're close enough. Mike Easily. Williams for you, Glenn. Easily. Yeah, yeah same. I, I feel like this is like the uh, like a like a sad one for me because I've been the Keenan Allen guy for years. So I think it might be the year that Mike Williams just smashes. I'm going to go on the Mike Williams train, especially because he's a little bit discounted to Keenan, uh, but not that discounted. Devin Singletary or James Cook? Start with Glenn on this one. I'm going to go Singletary on that. Yeah, I, I'm the same, but I was I was just looking. I feel like they're going a lot closer now, right? Like I Super feel like close. They're, they're literally close. like back-to-back. I, I, I liked it when the rookie was like the hot new thing and Singletary was going a lot a lot later, and I, I, I think Singletary is, is going to be the guy in that backfield personally me too i think it's i think it's structural for me i think if you need points early in the year it's singletary but i think having some cook because i think that offense could change and i think they want to target the running back so i'll take the cop out and i'll say it's a structural pick i think they are close for a reason here's a hard one rashad penny or kenneth walker um there it used to be you get the discount on penny and walker would go a little higher walker was a sixth round pick and penny was an eighth round pick now they're kind of converging, and I think Penny's jumping him certain times, um, at least for what I'm seeing. If you could pick one with ADP out of the – just completely just pick one for the season. J.D., are you on the rookie with the profile or the, or the guy who ripped it up for uh, six games last year down the year? It's one of those where I think it depends on your roster, but I guess I lean Penny because whenever it's super close, I like to go with whatever my eyes have seen. And I've seen Penny do it in the NFL. So you think he has maybe, you know, an, an opportunity at it first. What do you think, Glenn? Uh, Penny. Uh, it's not as close for me as, as, as it is for you. Uh, you know, he, he was absolutely dynamic when he finally was healthy and given a full opportunity last year. He proved that he could do it. Walker still has to prove that he can do it. You know, uh, I'm sure he's a, he's a good back. But uh, if Penny stays healthy, he's he's the guy for me. Now, I think I'm, I have a lot of Walker stashed in Dynasty, but I'm going to begrudgingly say Penny. I've drafted Penny a few times, so it's like the truth comes out um, in your player takes when you're actually on the clock. Absolutely. And I've drafted some Penny. Um, just think of how the Seattle coaching staff stuck with him after all those injuries, missing all those games, and Pierre would say all these wonderful things about him. And it like made Pete Carroll look so smart the way that, that Penny ended the year last year. I think they're going to try to ride uh, ride those Penny points all they can to start the year. I think that they want to be run heavy, and I think it'll be Penny. Now he could break down, and and Walker without Penny, you know, he's got the profile where he could really smash. So I don't want to be like completely not 
drafting Walker, but I think Penny right now is a very, very good value. And then, Glenn, we have a, a question we've asked every single guest since our, our Dynasty Rookie Draft shows ended. Um, literally every guest has, has had this question, and we've had some awesome responses to it. So I'm looking forward to hearing um, who would be your choice on this. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, and Cooper Cup are locked in as the top three wide receivers at ADP, every single format. Who would be the best bet outside of those three to finish as wide receiver one um, at the at, at, to finish number one at the wide receiver position? And you can you can take a cop out and give two guys if you want, or if you want to go with one, go with one. Okay, Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. And no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be awesome. Wide receiver one, wide receiver awesome. two. That's not a home pick. I, I, you know what? I'm, I am going to give two, and I'm going to give one that I think is an easier choice, and I'm going to give one that I think is more of a long shot. You know, it's it's funny that that this is a question because this is another process. I think that's, you know, I try to do, and I know other people try to do, and, and try to imagine who's the next wide receiver one, or who has the ability to get there, and again, grab that ceiling pick, uh, and uh, and the. I guess the more popular choice uh, I'm going to make right now is, is CD lamb. I think he's hitting his convergence of experience, opportunity, and a skill set. you know, to, to smash this year. You know, you don't have Cooper anymore. Gallup's hurt. Um, you know, Dak is still a, a, a decent quarterback. He's going to be thrown, um, you know, Zeke isn't the uh, workhorse that he once was, you know, breaking down a little bit. Uh, I think they're going to have to put in the air. And I think, uh, you know, commanding targets will be C.D. Lamb this year. And uh, I think he's got the skill set if he gets the targets that I think will go his way to do a lot with him. Uh, Jamar Chase level a lot. So we'll see. Uh, but to me, he's he seems like an obvious possibility. Uh, a little bit more of a long shot, but I know some people definitely feel this way. Uh, is is um, you know we talked a little bit about Denver earlier. Uh, again, I do I wouldn't put money on this, but I think he's got the skill set and and again a convergence of skill sets uh, between he and his new quarterback uh, is Cortland Sutton. I, I I really believe in him this year, and I think. I've always thought he was a very talented player, but, you know, injury and the quarterbacks, uh, you know, seemed to work against him. And he and he never had the consistency, uh, that, except for that one year where he did put it together with a horrible quarterback. So this year he's got a, a quarterback that throws a very pretty deep ball. He's, he's, a, he's a deep ball receiver with that does a, a big part of the root tree as well. I think he's somebody that maybe – Wide receiver one's pushing it, but you know he could be in the argument. Yeah, I mean if he's if if he's close to it, then he's the league winner. So we love getting that answer out right. of you, Glenn. Somebody's going to be got... Debo or or uh, Cup this year. You know, somebody's going to surprise. No doubt, it happens. Two years ago, we had a couple years back, we had Hopkins and especially Stephon Diggs crushed right. as a sixth round pick. Last year, he had Chase and Debo. He had Cooper Cup in the fourth round. I mean, the league winners are not coming from the second round. They're no. coming from a little deeper. So we love getting that sudden answer. We got to let Glenn go to sleep, though, J.D., pretty soon, don't we? For sure, man, for sure. Data three, hubby of one, as he, as he says on his profile. And just, guys, not, not just like multiple champ, but multiple champs across multiple platforms. 
that's a testament to me uh, of a true champion in high stakes. And we appreciate your time tonight, Glenn. Check him out at Glenneration underscore X guys on Twitter. Glenn, anything to add, man? We really appreciate your time before we close this thing out. Uh, you know, I had a great talk. Thank you so much. Uh, I love chatting with you guys. Awesome, Glenn. Awesome. Theo, what do we have coming up, man? I know we got some more bangers coming for uh, for the district. Yes, we have um, we have the high stakes guys in the, in the chat room tonight. Shout out to Wayne Ellis. Shout out to Joey Brown. Um, I'll see you guys soon. I'll talk to you over the summer. We've got Tommy Labretti coming on tomorrow night, who was the the a double champion last year in the NFFC, won the primetime, won the silver bullet. We're going to talk to him about some dead zone running backs tomorrow night um, and a couple other subjects. Um, you know, if you've enjoyed our, our shows that we've done recently with Dave Hubbard and Billy Muzio and, and Glenn tonight, um, then you're going to like um, Tommy tomorrow night and then a few other high six guys we've got lined up. Um, we're trying to bring the best players in the world onto the GOAT district. We're trying to bring the best analysts on the, into, in the world on the GOAT district, some of the best dynasty minds in the world, some of the best best ball minds in the world. Um, people that we like to talk to. We have Adam Levitan coming on on Thursday from Establish the Run. Um, Adam Levitan took down a $250,000 best ball um, last year, and he's one of the better uh, podcast hosts um, around. We're really excited to talk to him this week. So we have a loaded week on the GOAT District. Tons of goatness coming up, guys. Check it out. Listener League, for those of you who are already in, you know who you are. We're going to seal everything up. We'll announce it in the coming shows. And we'll get it all set up on the FFPC. Patreon is coming. I know we had a couple of comments in the uh, in the chat. Uh, so we will have that coming for you guys. Get some little extra uh, cheddar goatness on the side. Guys, comment in the comments, man. Let us know who your offenses that you think are, are you know ascending. Who are guys that are rising in ADPs, whether you want them or not. Guys we talked about tonight. Are they guys that you're avoiding, guys that you're drafting? Let us know in the comments. And I want to say this. We talk about it, you know, as often as we can, but just an amazing community fantasy land. And I appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, I had a bit of a health uh, scare about a week ago. It's 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 better. It's it's not resolved, but I'm, I'm dealing with it. And uh, I appreciate all the love, man. Just the love has been overwhelming. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys, Joey, and all you guys uh, reaching out to see how I'm doing. That uh, means a lot and just shows, uh, you know, how great of a community uh, that we're, we're lucky to be part of. Guys, go out there and draft the shit out of those FFPC and underdogs. Use the code DISTRICT. We appreciate you guys. Tune in for all the goatness coming, and we'll check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish.
Awesome. Awesome show, guys. A lot of fun. Yeah, sorry we kept you so so long. Right? You know what? I didn't even realize how long it was. I didn't either. You know, when you talk fantasy and and you're talking with uh, you know good guys, it's just fun. It flies. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know that we it's these shows are great, and it's like we're talking it out, and it just it's it's great process for sure, Glenn. So um, you have an awesome awesome Fourth of July with your family. You guys, and, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see you in the New York and Vegas streets before you know it. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Take Have care. Good night, bud. Appreciate you, Take man. Care.